We are in our series called The Standard. And uh, the catchphrase of this series is quite simple. And it's when Jesus becomes the standard, we become disciples. And so we can think that we're disciples, followers of Jesus, but unless he becomes the standard by which we live, simply by definition, perhaps we're not as disciple-ish as we might like to think we are. And, and we've looked at what Jesus has taught through the Sermon of the Mount, and that's what we're continuing to go through, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And I was reading this morning in, um, in my morning devotion. Um, again, just trying to impress you. Um, which I'm sure you all do, and, and that's awesome. Um, little, little, can I just give like a, a, pro tip for, um, a pro tip for morning devotion? So a lot of us, if you're, if you're like me, like human, and have a little bit of laziness um, that sometimes sneaks up from time to time, and you, you have a desire for something, but maybe perhaps you don't have the corresponding discipline to help you get to that desire, um, a little, little pro hack for you is buy a really great coffee machine with a timer on it so that the night before you can set it so when you wake up in the morning, you've got fresh brewed coffee ready to go. That is my devotion hot tip for you. Um, we've recently done that, so night before put the thing on, put the beans in, put the water in, and I wake up in the morning and boom. Because who hates waiting for the jug to boil? Ugh. And then you've got to brew the coffee. Oh, boring. I'd rather be sleeping during that whole time. Well, you can. You can be sleeping through that whole process while it brews for you, and then you can wake up and praise Jesus while you're having coffee simultaneously. Literally within seconds, you could have a can opener for your eyes in the form of a hot cup of joe. I didn't mention what brand we use. This is just a pastor pouring in his heart because he loves people and saying whatever it takes to help you. And as I was doing that this morning, I was um, reading through, I read through the book of Colossians this morning. I've got one of those great Bibles that I love for my devotion time um, where it's got the wide margin either side for you to mark notes and stuff in. So, um, so I was reading Colossians and I stopped in chapter 2, verse 3 because it basically was like, man, that's, that's what we're trying to do with this series. The standard is, is what Paul is writing in Colossians. So 2 verse 3 says this. It's talking about Jesus. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Jesus holds the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's amazing. And so if we're living in him, if it's in him who we live, move and have our being, then we will discover these hidden treasures of knowledge and understanding and wisdom. And anyone who's done anything significant with their life are not stupid people. They're people who have discovered wisdom, who've discovered knowledge. And so for, for us who want to live the godly life and live the life that Jesus has called us to at the standard at which he's called us to do it, Jesus must be the standard. And when he is, we start to discover the more of him we learn, the more of him we discover these hidden truths about knowledge and wisdom that will help us with this life. And this series, the Sermon on the Mount, is, is taking us to a point where we pull back the veil and we can see the heart of Jesus. We can see how the kingdom works and we can start to grab some of these, this knowledge and wisdom that's going to help us in this life. So we've looked at blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. We've looked at Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And last week we looked at blessed are those who are merciful. Today, Matthew 5 verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. So, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So we're going to break this down into four questions that I propose answers to you for. First is, what is the heart? So we're going to look at what is the heart. The second is, why is the heart important? The third question is going to be, well, how do we, how do we purify our hearts? And the fourth, what does it mean to see God? So Jesus has just made this massive statement, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What is the heart? Why is it important? How do we purify it? What does it mean to see God? That's what we're going to break through this morning. But before we do, let's pray. Father, I just thank you. God, that your presence is still here. It didn't leave when the altar call finished. It didn't leave when the band stopped playing. Your presence is here. Your spirit is here amongst us. As your word is preached this morning, I pray that it would illuminate our minds and illuminate our hearts and illuminate our spirits to the reality of who you are. And Lord, I pray that when there is a collision this morning about what we believe and what we think and your word, that we would bow a knee and let your word rule and reign, that we would not be editors of your word, but we would be people who would be submitted to the truth of your word. Because when we do that, we know that things go well for us. So Lord, help us to receive the words you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What is the heart? Well, quite simply, it's the, it's the center of our personality and being. And, and none of this will surprise any of you because we see it all the time. I love you from the bottom of my heart. I'm going to do this thing with all my heart. And so our heart is, is, is common vernacular to describe what essentially is our inner self, our inner personality, the core of who we are. It includes our mind. It includes our will. It includes our emotions. It's essentially, it's, it's the well inside of us that we draw from that shapes the way we live our life. That's the heart, the essence of our being and humanity as us. So that really succinctly answers that question, what is the heart? Also, a very important uh, organ in the body to pump blood around. Really important. But in this context, it's that inner self. Question two, why is the heart important? The heart is important for this reason, because the heart holds the power to develop us or defile us. Let me say that again. Our heart, our inner self, the very essence of who we are, has the ability to develop us or defile us. Proverbs 24, 4.23 says this. This should not be a surprise to many of you here today. Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Above all else. Does that include, yep, what about, yep, Oh, how about, yep, above everything. Guard your heart. Because the heart holds the power to develop you and holds the power to defile you. Above everything else, guard your heart. We spent three months last year doing a series called Above All Else, breaking down 12 spiritual disciplines that will help us put in place behaviors and patterns of thinking and things to help us in guarding our heart. And my question is, how many of those have you actually picked up? How many of those have you put into practice? Like, I would hate to think that all this effort goes into us getting, coming around God's Word and, and dissecting it and, and breaking it down and putting all these things in place to help us and we just leave them on a Sunday. 
So, so, so how are you going with fasting on a regular basis? Are you waiting for the church to do a three-day prayer and fasting retreat before you fast? Or are you bringing it into your everyday disciplines in a way that you can safeguard your heart against the things of this world and the desires of the flesh? How are you going with silence and solitude? How are you going with Sabbath and slowing down your week to have a day where you refresh and reflect upon the beauty of God and enjoy your family, enjoy your friends without the pressure of work and stress? Or was that just a cool series we did last year and now I want to see what, I want, what's new? Above all else, we've got to guard our heart. So important. I was going to say flippin' important, but this has been recorded so I can't say that. Wait. Matthew 15, verse 10 to 20, Jesus says some incredible things about our heart. In verse 11, he says, What comes out of a person's heart defiles them. What comes out? The heart has the potential to develop us or to defile us. Jesus said that himself. In verse 19, in chapter 15 of Matthew, Jesus says, Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, Adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. And we can think of these things, these behaviors, we can think of these, these, these things as like, that's so bad. Yeah, they are. They're, they're not, not pleasant things and they're pr- probably things we shouldn't be involved in, especially things like murder. Probably not a good idea to go and murdering people. But all of these things if I could say this so candidly, are sort of outworking symptoms of what's been happening inside the heart of somebody. That there's an overflow of the heart that leads people to behaviours that will defile them, disqualify them, damage them. That's why we read in Proverbs, above all us, guard your heart. And Jesus is saying, our heart will defile us and out of our heart comes all these things, evil desires, murder, adultery, sexual morality, all these things start in the heart. So my question is, you might not have these things evident in your life, but what is the condition of your heart now that if left unaddressed may lead you to some of these things? Because above all else, we've got to guard our heart. None of us are exempt from any of these things because all of us, are marred by a fallen, sinful nature. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Oh, this is a lovely message. Isn't it encouraging? It just comes this morning, it just rips me a new one about my heart. The essence of who I am, the core of my being, the well of which I draw my behaviours that shape my, my life, he's saying that that well is polluted and filled with scum. Yep. But again, I'm preaching from this. It's not my idea. I think you're awesome. I love you guys. Bible would disagree with that, but when we come to a crossroad, it wins. And look, I'm throwing myself under the bus as well. I'm not exempt because I'm the pastor. I'm doubly accountable. I'm going to be living this stuff out. But I know that my heart is deceitful. And I've got to guard my heart and protect myself, which is why I brew coffee the night before to help me get up in the morning to be able to do that. So scripture does not paint a very pretty picture of our heart, right? It's, it's, it's awful. But the truth is, the reason why we are like we are, we see in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. And it's because of Adam's first sin, that sin now entered the world and has corrupted all of us. It's called the doctrine of original sin. 
that God made the world perfect, put Adam and Eve in it, and said, hey, do whatever you like, have fun, this is yours to enjoy, except that tree over there, yeah, don't want you to eat off that. What did they do? They added that tree. And from that moment, rebellion entered the world and death with it, because the penalties of sin is death. So, um, it really is a grim reality for humanity. The bottom line is, our hearts are dark. And it gets worse. 1 John 1, 5 says that God is light and in him is no what? At all. Hold on a minute. Our hearts are dark. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. Houston, we have a problem. God is perfect and light. In him is no darkness. Our hearts are darkness. The very essence of who we are as people is dark because of sin. We are corrupted from the very core of who we are. There is a problem. There is a disconnect there. But I thought God loved me. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And there is good news coming. Trust me. But this is why Jesus says, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. Our hearts have to be purified. Left by their own devices, as nice as somebody might be on the exterior, at the very core of who we all are, is an essence of a dirty pool of humanity that comes down to original sin. So, my third question, how do we purify our hearts? Well, one, one solution could be we sell this building and we buy a block of land about 50 kilometres west where there's no one around us and we'll put a little commune on there. We'll all sell our clothes and shoes and we'll just wear sackcloths um, and by day we'll devote our life to silence and not speak and then at night we might sing worship songs around a fire and in our own attempt to conjure up the discipline enough to purify our hearts by removing ourselves from this world and, and putting ourselves just together as God's chosen people, we might purify our hearts and become holy before God. Now, that's been tried dozens of times in life, and that's how cults start ultimately, which is weird. Um, but, but it doesn't work. We cannot in and of ourselves purify our own hearts. We doom ourselves to failure when we think that we in our own merits can pull up our own socks, be a big boy or a big girl and figure it out, I'll just be a better person. No, that's not how the gospel works. Cap'n? So I propose two ways. And both these ways work together because we need to partner with God. Um, lazy Christians, is, is like it doesn't work. It's like oil and water. So we have to partner with God to solve this problem of purifying our hearts. Here's how I propose we do that. Firstly, give attention to what you give attention to. How do we keep our hearts pure? Give attention to what you give attention to. We, this Tuesday night we have had our second short course on becoming the reappearing church. Brilliant. Love it. Wish you all could be there. Absolutely amazing. Mr. Benjamin Vidler in the Puma shirt said the most profound thing on Tuesday night. Do you mind me sharing this, Ben? And if you heard it from somewhere else, claim it as your own. That's what we do. Um, he simply said this. He goes, what, what captures your attention captures you. I was like, Hold, what? Time out. Explain that. That sounds far too good to be true. What, what does that mean? He said, well, simple. Whatever captures your focus is what captures you. So if you focus on your weakness, if you focus on your problems, your insecurities, your doubts, your fears, your anxieties, that's all you focus on. They become so big because you are captivated by them that they will capture you. And if they are so close, then God must be over there. And if they are so big, then God must become small. 
However, conversely, the same thing is true. When God becomes bigger, when God captures our attention, then God captures us. And the closer he becomes and the more consumed we become with him, the more we put ourselves in a place of worship and reading God's word and prayer and, and being in the presence of God, then all of our problems, doubts, insecurities and fears become further away, become smaller as he becomes bigger. In essence, I must decrease so that he can increase. Is that roughly what you're saying? Exactly. Word for word, word, for word what I said is what he said on Tuesday night. But it's so true. And so this is, this is my first point in how do we purify our hearts, give attention to what we give attention to. What are we watching? Who are we hanging around? What are we thinking about? What, what are we involved in? Is it good? We're going to read this in a couple of weeks' time, but, but in Matthew 6, Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, what you're looking at, what you're focused on is good things, then your whole body will be full of light, which is good because God is light. In him there's no darkness at all, so we can connect. But if the eye is bad, then your whole body is filled with darkness, which then just confirms the fact that our, the wellspring of our life is in fact dark. And so one way we can counteract that is by giving attention what we're giving attention to. So the eye that Jesus is talking about is what we focus on, what we desire, what grabs our attention, what we surround ourselves with. So my question to all of us this morning, myself included, is what has captured your attention? What, what blogs are you reading online that have captured your attention? What, what Instagram accounts? What, what movies are you watching? What, what people are you associating with? What behaviours are you involved in that your attention is for? What, what failures and shortcomings and weaknesses of your own do you, do you highlight and exalt that don't actually fill your body with light but fill your body with darkness and make you feel less than? So we've got to give attention to what we give attention to. That's one way to help keep our hearts pure. If we want to, be, if we want to purify our hearts, we must get real with ourselves and give attention to what we give attention to. Second thing, it's okay, there's only two, so it's easy. First thing, in purifying our hearts, give attention what we give attention. That's our role in helping God. That's our, go- our role in partnering with God. Second point is this, take a leaf out of David's book. Not that bit. You know what I'm talking about? The other bits in David's book. So the Bible says that, that David is a man after God's own heart, Right? Well, let me pose this question. Did David have a pure heart? Mm. That's the bit I was referring to just 30 seconds ago, which was a, a dead joke. But uh, no, you, you cannot do what you did with Bathsheba and her husband Uriah with a pure heart. That just evidences the fact that our hearts are wicked and deceitful, as Jeremiah says. You, you can't see somebody else's wife and take that. You can't avoid the battle that God's called you to and stay back and then indulge in the sins of the flesh and then to cover your tracks, go out and murder her husband just to make sure that everything's gravy with a pure heart. But what can we learn from that? Well, the Bible still describes David as a man after God's heart. And we see what happens is David is remorseful. David gets rebuked and and obviously there's conviction that comes because what he did was absolutely wicked as a result of that sinfulness because Jesus said from the heart flow evil thoughts, flow murder, flow adultery, flow sexual murder, all those things that we see in David started in his heart. So how did he remedy that? Psalm 51 is a beautiful psalm. Read it. It's it's this beautiful picture of, of David pouring out like... Psalms are wonderful, all of them, and they're quite poetic in nature, and we can, we can love them and think that they're so nice and all. Just, 
But some of them are really raw. Psalm 51 is really, really raw with David pouring his heart out before God. And I think the whole thing is summarized in verse 10 in Psalm 51 where he says, Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. So what is the leaf we can take out of David's book? Is inviting the Holy Spirit into our life to cleanse us from the inside out. That just because we focus on and give attention to what we're giving attention to, just because we're aware of the, the, the things around us and we guard our heart on a practical level, we cannot cleanse our hearts thoroughly enough to be able to see God clearly. We must invite God in and use that prayer that David prayed, God, create in me a clean heart. God, create in me. God, renew a right spirit in me. We must invite the presence of God into our hearts to cleanse us from the inside out. It's nothing we can do in and of ourselves. We do not have the strength to do it. We do not have the strength to, we didn't, we didn't even invite sin into our life in the first place. We were just born with it. So we don't have the strength to get rid of it. But God does. And if we rely on Him, trust in Him. The only way for our hearts to truly be pure is for the Holy Spirit to come in and cleanse us. So, stock take. If I was to do a little experiment, get us to close our eyes and, and evaluate our heart and pinpoint and identify areas of darkness, areas of uncleanliness, what would those things look like? What would those things be for you and for me? And they're the very things that we need to bring to God and say, God, this issue, this thing, this website I keep visiting, this emotion I keep feeling, this, this reaction I keep having, these people I keep associating with, I, I, I repent, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I realize that, that it's tainting who I am, it's, it's corrupting the well of my heart that I draw everything from life from and I, I want I want a new start. I want you to cleanse my heart, God. And so we open up our heart. We open up all, all those areas. Sometimes we need to confess our sin one to another. That's how healing comes. And get God to do the inner work that only He can do. Four, and I'll finish on this. What does it mean to see God? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed, we know talks about this. It's almost like Jesus saying, congratulations, because you're going to get divine joy and perfect happiness when you have a pure heart. And then you'll see God. So what does it mean to see God? Does it mean, is it literal or is it figurative? Is it in this life or is it the life to come? And this is the, the, the debate that theologians will have about what actually Jesus meant by you will see God. And I don't know that in our limited ability to fully understand everything will have a clean-cut answer on whether that means that we will see God physically. I mean, you read scriptures and stories how people actually saw God and they fell dead because of his incredible uh, majesty and awe and his power and glory. It's just like, we're too much, we can't even handle that. <laughs> dead. Or does it mean a spiritual thing? Is our spirit will connect with God. And yes, we experience that in worship, but I think regardless of whether it's here and now or when and then, regardless of whether it's literal or spiritual, here's what I believe to be true when I think of the whole context of Scripture, when I think about the whole context of the Gospel. I kind of believe that, and I'm happy with this, 
at this point in my, in my life is blessed are those in the pure of heart because they will see God at work through them in this life and will see God face to face in the next life. I'm cool with that answer. What does it mean to see God? I'm cool with those who have pure hearts see God at work in and through their life and will see him face to face in the next life. I might be wrong, but I might be right. And I'm kind of cool with that. And again, too, that's pulling all of Scripture into context and go, yeah, that seems about right, what Jesus is saying here about the pure in heart. Final thought as I bring this to a close. Have you ever, do you often, are you now in this moment of your life in a place where you desire more of the presence of God working in you and through you? Have you ever, are you now desiring for more of the presence of God in your life now? If the answer is yes, then your primary concern should be a pure heart. Your primary concern should be a pure heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Because the heart has the power to develop us or defile us. And if we do nothing by sheer default, it will defile us because the heart is already created wicked and deceitful. Which is why we need to be born again. Have our hearts purified by the power of God. Partner with God with putting parameters and boundaries in our life and spiritual disciplines to help guard our heart. So that what was once a a, a source of defilement now becomes a source of development. And we start to grow in the image of Christ as his disciples. Because when Jesus is the standard, we are disciples. Father, I thank you as we bring this message to a close. That we would have the guts to be real with ourselves today. To do a stock take on our heart. To, to ask and invite your Holy Spirit to reveal things in our life that probably err more on defilement than they do development, that need to be cleansed out of our heart. And not only that, God, we, we, I pray that you would give us all the guts to give you permission to cleanse it out, clean us out, that we would take up the prayer of David and genuinely pray that you would create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit, a righteousness that comes from you.
God, we thank you that you are so good, so gracious, so kind, so loving. We thank you that you sent your only son, Jesus, to not just show us the way to the kingdom, but to pave the way by his sacrifice on the cross. And we want to respond to that accordingly by laying down our life to serve you, that we love you because you first loved us. And so would you help us purify our hearts so we can see you at work in and through our lives and have the hope and guarantee that we'll see you face to face in the next life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.